You are listening to episode 303 on University of Adversity. Along the quest, we think the thing is the thing. Like, like mm. I want to get my book published, and I thought that book deal was it, right? And actually, it took me seven years from the time I finished writing the book to getting it published. And there were so many, like, starts and stops along the way. I had three different book agents. I got so close so many times. And during that interim period, so much happened in my life. Mm. I ended up leaving my corporate job. I started leading my retreats. I, I built a beautiful community of women. I, you know, moved to Costa Rica. I met my amazing man and created my beautiful family, built this retreat center. Like, would all of that have happened if I just gotten the book deal right when I thought that I should have it? Um, so often we think that that end goal is where like all the magic is mm. going to happen. We're going to feel so good, but really it's the quest that we take along yes. the way to get there where the, you know, the meaning is the fulfillment is the mm. growth is. And in that place where we expand, that's really where the light comes in. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. You know, what I love about this podcast journey is when I get to sit down with people that I get to learn more about and the more I learn about them, the more that I realize how similar our stories are and how many things we have in common. <laughs> and today's guest, Emily Pereira, we had such a freaking awesome conversation. And there's so many similarities to her story, to mine, and her her journey through personal transformation. You know, coming from the city, living a completely different lifestyle to now living in Costa Rica in Santa Teresa. And, you know, even like the things like the first book that changed it for her and the practice that changed her life that also changed mine. And just a lot of the stuff that we talked about, it was just so nice because there's so many similarities and I really resonated with her. And I, we're also working with the same company uh, with the crowdfunding campaign and with, with, and then she just finished one with her brand new memoir, best-selling memoir called The Quest. So it's really exciting. So there's a lot of synchronicities in this conversation that I'm excited to share with you guys. So a little bit about Emily. She is an international retreat leader, yoga teacher, and love coach. And she's been referred to as the relationship whisperer. And as mentioned, she's recently a best-selling author of the memoir, The Quest. So her story is really awesome. I can't wait to share it with you guys. And I highly recommend that you go check out her book and follow her on social media because she's got great content and she's connected with some really amazing people. Some of the past guests that have been on the show as well. So I know you guys will enjoy this. If you do get value from this, please leave us a review, share it with whoever you feel needs it and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this or if you're watching it on YouTube. So without further ado, Emily Pereira coming right up. Here we go. So nice to see you, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm so happy to. I'm so happy to be here with you, Lance. For sure. Me too. Couple of uh, a couple of souls living in Costa Rica right now. <laughs> the best place to be. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. How did you end up there? Let's just start there. What brought you to Costa Rica? Oh my goodness. Well, I started leading retreats for women and I began in the Northern part of Costa Rica because there's an airport there. So I thought, Mm. okay, one less barrier of entry for people. And I was on retreat on the last day and I was sitting on my surfboard and the sky was just like exploding above me in this gorgeous sunset and the warm air is tickling my skin. And I just was like, I'm never happier than I am when I'm in Costa Rica. And I just sort of whispered to the wind. I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but this is what happened. I was like, I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I'm going to live here someday. And three months later, it was right before my birthday in February, this is five years ago, five years and a month ago, I just decided to book a spontaneous trip to Santa Teresa where I live now. And I hadn't been here in 16 years. I passed through here on a postgraduate backpacking trip. And I remembered loving this place, Santa Teresa, the most of anywhere on my five month backpacking trip. And I had this idea in my head, I need as much time as I had back when I was 23 to go back. And I just kept not having that chunk of time. So finally I was like, screw it. I'm going back. I only have three weeks. And I ended up just having this magical experience, met the coolest people. Everything was just so in the flow. And while I was here, I met a man. And we were, I was on my way to go surfing. He was on his way to go surfing. Our paths crossed and what started out as a sunset surf turned into a dinner date, turned into a whirlwind two week romance. We, I extended my ticket. We took a trip all around the country on a surf trip. And when he was dropping me off at the airport, he invited me to come back and do life in the jungle. And so at first I was sort of like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) is this for real? I didn't really take the invitation totally seriously. But then I went back to Venice Beach where I was living, sat in my cute little bungalow with all my stuff that I'd been collecting for 15 years, you know, beautiful artwork and furniture, you know, that had been such a big deal for me to buy at one time, saved up money for. And I just kind of felt like, oh my gosh, this stuff is like suffocating me. You know, it just felt you know, the way it really felt with Santa Teresa and Costa Rica felt like this juicy papaya. And suddenly my life in California felt like a stale saltine. I was like, I want the adventure. I want to be on the back of the motorcycle. I want to be surfing at dawn. And I didn't know that this guy was my guy, but I knew I wanted an adventure. And so I slept on it and I slept on it and I slept on it for seven days because seven's my number. And I called him back up and I was like, hey, our disco, that's my dog. And I invited to come live with you in the jungle still. And he was like, of course, darling. He's French. And um, here we are five years later, two kids, six acres of wild jungle land where we've co-founded a retreat and wellness center. So yeah, it's been pretty magical adventure. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And it doesn't surprise me because of the way this place is. It's, I feel like it like, 10x is all your manifestations. I feel like it's just, it's so abundant. There's so much abundance in all areas from insects to nature, to plants, to the weather, to it's, it's, it's such a great place to plant your flag and really build and get into flow. I so agree with you. And it's so fascinating because I'm literally looking at like, you know, a, 15 foot papaya tree right in the middle of my house. And we planted that tree and now fruit comes off of it and I eat it. 
And it's just like <laughs> so basic, but so mind blowing because it's like you plant a seed right. and, it, and you nurture it and then you get fruit. Like yeah. it's a metaphor for all life. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like at this stage in my life, maybe you can relate with this, like nature and the ocean are like my greatest spiritual teachers right now. There's so much wisdom just in their existence Mm. um, that just kind of blows my mind daily. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I'm right in the jungle and I was on, I was in Santa Teresa for a while as we were talking beforehand and I was just on the beach every day. And now I'm experiencing a little bit of a different vibe of Costa Rica, which is more jungle and you know, just kind of out in the thick of it, a little bit different. And it's just been so great for my creativity and flow and expansiveness. Because when you look out to this like endless abundance, you can't help but create that in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just an incredible mirror for the abundance Mm. that is within us already, actually. Totally. Totally. So, all right, we'll, we'll come back to Costa Rica and everything, but I would love to sort of circle back and little get into your story a little bit. So where I like to, where I like to start is first of all, kind of get some context of your story. So walk us through a little bit of your story, start wherever you want. And while you're walking us through the story, what was one of the biggest struggles, one of the biggest challenges throughout your life that you faced that had the most impact on your life today? Mm. I love this question. I love this question because so often we think of hardship, you know, in whatever way it shows up, you know, illness or financial struggle, loss, pain. We think of it as some sort of personal failing. And I've really discovered that when we're faced with adversity, it's like there's this portal that opens and it gives us access to what I refer to as the quest, which is really this rich inner journey that's so vast. It's so generative. It really kind of blows the top off of what we've been sold it means to be alive. So it's really this path to knowing ourselves, to loving ourselves and just having the freedom to be ourselves. And my quest began in the face of great despair. Like so, so, so much despair, you know, the kind where you're just sure you've made horrible mistakes and completely ruined your life and you just can't go on anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're familiar with that one? Yeah. You know, cause you you created this amazing podcast. So, you know, by the time I reached my late twenties, I had this life that looked really good on paper though. It was, you know, I was selling what time magazine hailed as the cure for cancer. It was on the cover of their, of their Um, magazine. I lived in a penthouse apartment in LA with my internet taking boyfriend who had just sold his company for almost half a billion dollars. I was just going to an endless stream of parties, events, and vacations, you know, closet full of designer clothes. And even when I say it out loud, it still sort of sounds pretty good. Um, But something was missing, like something big was missing. And I was receiving so much external validation for this life that I created that I didn't dare admit that what I had wasn't enough. So the whole thing came crashing down right around six years when I thought I was going to be getting the ring. I found out that the guy cheated on me and I shrunk down to 92 pounds. I needed pills to sleep. I had a weird rash all over my body that no doctor could explain we had this really tight group of friends that felt like family and everybody just kind of like quietly picked him. So I was just so 
full of anger and resentment to him, but it really paled in comparison to the anger and resentment that I had for myself. You know, back then I didn't understand that there's this divine intelligence to the human experience. And when one door closes, it's because another door wants to open, right? Everything's about alignment. And when something's no longer aligned, it's because there is something else that's in better alignment, right? So it breaks down. So the thing that is in better alignment can come and manifest. So for the next two years, I lifted myself up through this wild ride of intensive and extensive spiritual exploration. And, you know, at a certain point as an experiment, am I a creative person? Because at that point, I didn't think I was a creative person. Am I a creative person? Um, you know, I hadn't written anything at that point besides like since college, um, work emails, birthday cards, I don't know, the occasional thank you letter. I sat down to write. And by applying the shifts in perspective, that I had been learning, the mindset shifts, I was amazed that the words flowed freely. And I had, first I had a few sentences and then I had a few paragraphs and then I had a couple chapters. And the next thing I know, I had a freaking 600 page book that I wrote and it just poured out of me. And I remember having this moment that first week where I was like, I'm gonna be okay. (laughs) And, you know, it was at the writing did something. It opened up these like barricades that had been inside of me. And I started to play guitar and sing and write songs and paint big canvases full of color. And I started to do improv and dance burlesque. And as amazing as it was to like discover this wellspring of creative fire inside of me, because I really did not think I was a creative person. Um, I, something else started to happen. And I didn't realize that the creative and the spiritual were so closely linked together. So I don't know if you've had this experience in your life, but it was like the creative triggered this cascade of spiritual changes. And I started to notice less was I like, less were my thoughts like, oh, what's that person doing and comparing myself and I need to do more of that. They were more like, that'd be a cool way to connect those chapters. Or that would be a good song melody. Or I love that color. Like, how can I make that color and put it on this canvas? And I don't think I realized before how toxic those other thoughts are. Uh, Like, I constantly need to be doing more. Or I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And I found that in moments of inspiration, I felt connected to who I am and why I'm here. And there was literally no place I'd rather be after like a decade of running around the whole world looking for it, whatever it was. Like I was finding so much peace and joy and contentment, like on my couch creating. And, you know, at that point, up until that point, I was kind of lugging around some resentment for the ex-boyfriend and the ex-friends. Sure. But in that moment of inspiration where there was no place I'd rather be, I, I realized I had to take all those steps to get there. Even those really painful steps, even those like, you know, moments of despair without those, I wouldn't be where I was. And so that resentment alchemized to gratitude Mm. and this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I started to understand the journey. I started to understand how the quest works. Mm. And as my, you know, belief in my, as I kept going through these doors, sort of of like fear, like going to the next level of my comfort zone, going to the next level of my comfort zone, trying new things, my belief in myself went up. And as my belief in myself went up, my competition with women went down. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most like just liberating, instant, incredible feelings I ever felt in my entire life. All of a sudden I was like, the sisterhood camaraderie, like it was so genuine. It was so real. And I, a big thing clicked in my mind. It was just like, anytime a woman is vibey or competitive or catty, any of that stuff that, you know, we hear, we know as women, we just don't feel like we're enough. We've, we've been passed down that programming from the overarching culture. And as we come into our, if we give ourselves permission, light ourselves up with our passion and, and really kind of move into our purpose, this is when that competition starts to fall away and real sisterhood can become possible. And so I knew at that point, my work was going to be around working with women to help them see the magic, the power, the passion inside of them. And that led me to what I'm doing now, which is, you know, I coach women, I help women call love into their lives because the truth is, is once you light yourself up from the inside, it is humanly, physically, cosmically impossible for other people to not be drawn to that light. So I do that, you know, through retreats, through one-on-one coaching, group coaching, my book, the quest that just came out. So yeah, many different ways, but that's sort of the very short version because my memoir, the quest goes into it in far greater detail. And that's 411 pages. Wow. <laughs> you are a powerful human. Like I was just getting goosebumps while you're telling me that. And wow, there's so much to unpack there from, first of all, I want to just talk about your book for a second and the process, because I can resonate because I'm starting to write one myself. And I want to tie in what you're telling us about creativity and how important it is for us to tap into that because that's our soul. That's our intuition calling like, hello. And what's really, if you're saying that, like, yeah. Like what's really interesting is that when we're taught growing up, we're taught to ignore that we're taught to do the thing that's going to make money because that's the right thing to do, you know, so that you can have the conversation at the dinner table about, going to school or doing the thing that is like more socially acceptable and easier. And it's not really what we want to do a lot of the times, but it's because it just makes life easier, the conversation easier. And if you follow your, your arts and your creativity, well, that seems weird or that doesn't make money. And I love how you brought that up and how the conversation is changing and how now it is so important for us to tap into that creativity, to figure out like what lights you up? Like, what is that call? What do you want to do? Whether it's play music, whether it's write poetry, whether it's write a memoir, whether it's play music, it's so important. And when you do that, you actually get better at your craft or business or whatever else you want to do. And that's what people miss out on is that they don't, realize how important it is to tap into that, those creative outlets. Absolutely. It's a life force energy. I mean, now I look back at pictures of me. I remember how I felt, but it was like a part of me was dead inside. Mm -hmm. And I look back to me, I see that deadness, you know, compared to the aliveness that I feel now. And And it's really true. I mean, everything is energy, everything, you know, when we talk about manifesting, we're trying to become magnetic to, to magnetize the the very thing that we want. And, you know, for me, I'm 43 years old and I had my first baby at 39 and my second baby at 42. 
naturally on the first try got pregnant. And so many people are, and I have history of some health problems. And so people were like kind of blown away by that, but it didn't surprise me because I'm so in the act of creation. Mm. And if we want to create, we want to get into that vibe, you know, if we want to create human life, getting into that vibrational frequency of creation is going to make that a whole lot easier. Yeah. Also, I was really interested with the competition aspect, what you said as well, is that when you see people as competition or you have to do better than, or they're getting the piece of the pie and there's not enough for me, that is such a, that's such a good point because it's like, you're lacking something like, and men do it too. It's like, I mean, men and women do it. And I've noticed that as well is that it's all bullshit. It's all just a story. Like we're trying to, we're trying to be like somebody else or get, be better than them or get what they have. And it, everybody's life is different. Everybody's journey is different. And the minute we take ourselves out of the present moment, we're just making up some scenario that's not even real. Absolutely. And I mean, really, it comes from the overarching culture, right? I mean, the overarching culture says there can only be one. There can only be one king. There can only be one president. There can only be one Superman. So what that does is that turns everyone and everything into competition yeah. if there can only be one. But that's not actually the truth of, of who we are. And so what I have found is that permission, there's like this equation. It's the permission, which is the non-judgment of self. Okay, I'm going to give myself permission to do and try things that are outside of my comfort zone. And really, I, I got this incredible insight along my path. That's really like, you don't have to wait for someone else to come along and give you permission. You have the power to give yourself permission by simply being the beginner because mm. beginner's mind mindset. I mean, as the beginner, you can never fail, right? Every single step you take, just like I look at my kids, I would never like my, my little girl caught her first wave um, with my husband last weekend. And of course she's like, you know, whatever. We would never judge somebody doing something for the first time. We would never judge a little kid for, for trying something. And we used to do and try all sorts of things as little kids. And we were so happy and our mm. creativity was like through the roof. There's an organization called creativeminds.org that says, Children of five operate with 85% of their creativity. And by the time we're 12, it goes down to 2%. And that's because we get into the class. We want the right answer. We want those accolades and that validation from being right, from being. Mm. But the reality is, is it's the one that's doing and trying all these things that's having the most fun, whose creativity is soaring. And so we actually have that ability to to go back and give ourselves permission to be the beginner. And what this does is this allows us to access our innate passion that's inside of us. And we all have these innate passions, things we came in with this lifetime. And, you know, that's a whole other story that where, where those passions come from. But those passions are the compass that are literally directing us to our purpose. There, there are no accidents. These are not just like, oh, that's a nice hobby. There's a reason you're interested in the things that you're interested in. And then once we are on track with passionate, purposeful living, you know, you're just like, this is my jam this lifetime. This is what I'm here to do. And so the, the competition just goes away because I can look at a girlfriend that's like a famous actress or has a great fashion design, fashion clothing line. That's not my path this lifetime, mm. right? So why would I even compare myself to that? It becomes so clear what the path is. Mm. Ah, so much, so much gold there. And it's just so, it, it's so great to think about as well. Cause I've been talking about this a lot lately is, 
you know, answering the call, like really following those. I, I talk about, you know, you get these, these intuition moments where it's like, some are like two out of 10, some are five, some are six out of 10. But then once in a while you get this nine or 10 out of 10 and you're like, I have to do this. I have to do this. There's, you get this wave and those are the things you have to take action on. Those you have to, whether it's write it down, like do some sort of thing to make it real, solidify it, like talk about it, do something before you talk yourself out of it. And I really believe that a lot of people ignore that. They find a reason to talk themselves out of it, but that is where the shit, that's where the magic is, is in that, that, that moment. And those, those, those really strong inspirational moments, those that your, your intuition's like, Hey, this is for you. What are you going to do? And if you don't answer that, it's going to, it's going to throw things in your path. I believe that you're going to, right. And oftentimes those things are totally freaking scary. Yeah. (laughs) And they're supposed to be because that's the thing that's going to make you grow the most. So Mm. what I have found is like we had along the quest, we think the thing is the thing. Like like Mm. I want my book published and I thought that book deal was it. Right. And actually it took me seven years from the time I finished writing the book Mm. to getting it published. And there were so many like starts and stops along the way. I had three different book agents. I got so close so many times. And during that interim period, so much happened in my life. Mm. I ended up leaving my corporate job. I started leading my retreats. I, I built a beautiful community of women. I, you know, moved to Costa Rica. I met my amazing man and created my beautiful family, built this retreat center. Like, would all of that have happened if I just gotten the book deal right when I thought that I should have it? Um, so often we think that that end goal is where like all the magic is going to happen. We're going to feel so good, but really it's the quest that we take along the way to get there where the, you know, the meaning is the fulfillment is the Mm. growth is. And in that place where we expand, that's really where the light comes in. So sort of flipping the script on thinking like it's all about like checking things off the list and like achieving those goals Mm. and really that, that quote that's like the destination is the journey, mm. you know, the quest. I mean, yeah, that's right. The, de- the destination is the journey. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, what the quest is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the overcoming of the things and the challenges, the adversity that brings you the fulfillment. It's not getting the thing. The thing is always going to, there's always going to be another thing. There's like, always going to be a thing. If you're in that competitive mindset, yeah. that, that, that satisfaction of getting the thing is maybe is going to last you a few days to a few weeks to a month. Like yeah. it's, then you're like, okay, I got to do the next thing. I got yeah. And that's, I used to work in sales and that's how it's set up intentionally. Yeah. Working and working and working and not, you're only as good as your last sale. Mm-hmm. And so once you kind of realize that there's two different ways to create, there's the competitive creation or there's the creative, passionate creation is suddenly life goes from black and white to color. Mm-hmm. So true. All right. So obviously the last year has been challenging for a lot of people and it's forced a lot of people to kind of take their own advice that they've taught. You know, a lot of people, you know, talk about the things that have happened, what they've overcome. But then when they were hit with this pandemic and wherever you are in the world, a lot of people were like, oh shit. Okay. What am I going to do now? Like, you know, a lot of coaches, a lot of people had to kind of be like, I need to, I need to do what I'm teaching people. 
And I found it really interesting to talk to so many people. And I've interviewed people that you know, lost everything in 2008 and how powerful it was coming back and where they're at now. So my question for you is like, how has this last year impacted you? You know, how has it impacted your life, your relationships, your business? And what are some key parts that you had to pivot or you had to like think differently or, you know, apply in your life or was what you were doing, you know, was it just part of it? You know, if you were already set up for it, this was just another bump of the road that could happen too. What was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the overwhelming feeling that I've had this past year is just deep gratitude, deep, deep, deep gratitude that I had to face so much adversity earlier on because Mm. it did allow me to set up my life in such a way that I'm living here in Costa Rica, not off the grid, but we're growing our own food and we have, you know, um, stable income and all of these types of things. I also um, experienced some pretty debilitating health issues in my mid to late thirties. And I was able to heal my body completely naturally with raw fruits, vegetables, and herbs. And that gave me such a rock solid confidence that I can heal anything should I need to. So even just being able to be relaxed about the virus and getting ill. So for me, it's uh, my man and I just look at each other every day and we're like, we're so lucky. We have the best yeah. love. Um, and there was a moment right when the pandemic hit where I had refinanced a home that I have in Los Angeles because I wanted to purchase another neighboring land that we have to ex- expand. And when the pandemic hit, we kind of, there was a moment where I was like feeling the collective energy and fear and just trying to feel into what this was all about. And I looked at him and I was like, is this a smart move? Like, like, should we save this money? Are we like, who knows what's going to happen? And I just like felt into my intuition, which over the years has gotten a lot louder because I listened to her and she was like, no, no, no. You, you make decisions based on where you want to be, not for where you are right now. And so we did end up purchasing that land. And within like two months, we were able to sell the bottom part to some friends, sight unseen. Um, and we ended up getting all of our money back and enough money to build the next structure on the house. So it was just like so validating to like follow that intuition and to, to make decisions based on where we want to be, to listen to intuition. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I've, I've talked to so many people on different parts of the world and everybody has seen it through a different lens, you know? And the environment, I mean, being in Costa Rica is just, I feel so blessed now because when in December, things were getting pretty squirrely, you know, I'm from Vancouver, Canada. And I was just like, I've had enough. Like I need, I need to follow this. And the fear of like, oh, travel, like the unknown, it was real, but it's like that collective energy around me. I was like, first of all, if I want to create what I want to create, I need to get out of this, this headspace and I can't do it on my own right now. So I was like, I need to figure out how to get out of here. And I had like a deep calling to come here. Like it was real. And I know that feeling. <laughs> I had no idea why I just knew. Well, first of all, I had a calling to go do ayahuasca. And that was like, I got to, I have to go. And just to be in this environment, I'm like, I get it now because it's, you know, you sometimes it's a personal responsibility to answer that so that you could do the mission that's going to impact more people rather than get stuck in being in that feeling of fear. And maybe you shouldn't do it because you're scared, but then you're not going to serve as many people on the scale you want to serve. 
right? Yes. If you, if you don't, if you let that fear take over and that's what a lot of people have done. Yeah. I have not been able to leave since the pandemic started. So I feel like in some ways I'm a little bit in a bubble. Of course I do have, um, you know, my clients and my family and my friends and it's, I tune in with them and I feel like such a different energy, you know, because here we don't really have the pandemic here in, in Santa Teresa, the way that mm. the numbers are in other places. And we don't really know the reason why. I mean, yes, there have been some cases, but, but everything I, I've, my guesses are, you know, everything is open air. Like if you just like this in my living room and I don't have a wall. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, so everything's open air except for the bank, the grocery store and the pharmacy mm-hmm. and the heat of the sun, the ocean. People are generally healthy or here. Mm. So um, I'm not sure the reasons why, but, but yeah, in that way, I just feel so blessed that I was like, go to Costa Rica. Like even when I wasn't sure that Mene was my life partner, I just knew I had to come here. Mm. Yeah. I mean, how many people don't listen to that? Yeah. Well, everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, you're going, you're moving to Costa Rica with a guy you've known for two weeks. <laughs> and they're like, a lot of people in my life are like, how do you know you can trust him? Mm. And this blurted out of my mouth before I even had time to really cognitively think about it, which was, I don't have to worry about trusting him because I trust myself. Mm. And that was something that I really gained along the quest is that I really, truly believe I'm creating every single thing in my life for my personal, personal spiritual benefit and evolution even the hard stuff, even, especially the hard stuff, because that is how we become self-realized. That's how we know the depth of our power. Yeah. Was there, he's going to be a, he's going to be a beautiful lesson. Mm. For my life. Mm. Yeah. Was there along your way, there's usually like a book or some sort of something, a mentor or something that really like shifts the way you think. Was there a book for you that did that? Because I always find that fascinating because there's so many books that we read and you read one and it leads you on a path. But like, was there one that really shifted things for you that made you think differently about the path of your life? Well, there have been a number of books, but Mm. what shifted things for me more than anything was I started working with a spiritual teacher right in 2006 when I had that really painful moment of despair. And this is really what my entire book, The Quest is about. It's me connecting with this teacher and him giving me wisdom. um, And I start applying it to my path and my path begins to change. And so, you know, back in 2006, working with a spiritual teacher, I mean, that was like some hocus pocus. People were like, what the heck are you doing before Instagram, inspirational messages, all of that type of stuff. I mean, you know, I joke around, he may as well, he may as well have been the Easter bunny for all I knew about spirituality, energy, healing, clairvoyance. But, um, I knew that I just felt better in this man's presence. And I soon would discover he had hands that could heal and information that wasn't in books, which, you know, hands that heal. This was news to me. I was working for a pharmaceutical company. So um, really, I spent 11 years working with this teacher very, very closely. I trained underneath him. I, many of the concepts he's taught me, I teach. And that was really the biggest gift for me. And it really solidified for me how powerful it is that one person's life can have on another person or many other people. And, um, so yeah, so, so this was like having like your, he became like my best friend on speed dial, being able to ask any question I want at any time. But there was probably about three years in, 
I was having a moment where my dog got parvo and he almost died. And I was, he was like in the hospital and I was very worried about it. And I was having a talk with my teacher and he was like, you know, I was like, I've only had this dog for two months. Like how, why am I freaking out? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, what if something happens to him? I don't know if I can go on. And he was like, do you understand why? Do you understand what this dog has done for you? And I was like, no. And he was like, he's like, this dog has brought you into the present. Dogs live in the present moment. And, and you were living so much in the past, you know, thinking about that failed relationship, the ex-friends, everything like that. And this dog has brought you into the right here right now, which has been like such a healing for you. Well, lo and behold, like a couple of days later, I'm in my, this one room with tons of books that I'd collected from all sorts of places. And I see the power of now, like just there. And I had had it for years and never read it. And I just kind of like picked it up off of the shelf and I opened it up and I started to dig into Eckhart Tolle's teachings, which is really that all of our pain and suffering, excuse me, comes from either being in the past where regret um, regret lives and then, or going to the future, which is where anxiety and fear are. And so I made this powerful recognition in that moment, reading this book that it wasn't the ex-boyfriend's fault. It wasn't my fault. We tried so hard in the ways that we knew we had had this plan that once he sold the company, we were going to go around this trip on this trip around the world for a year. And I realized in that moment, what that trip was supposed to do for me was to make up for the fact that I had been turning my back on that inner voice that we had talked about for so many years that was telling me there's something more for you. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, hopefully going to get the ring, which was supposed to make me feel okay about myself, maybe announce the world that I was okay. I don't know what that was supposed to do. Um, And for him, selling the company was supposed to, you know, absolve him of the not enoughness that he had felt from growing up poor and, all these things. And when, you know, the company sold, we were still the exact same unfulfilled unconscious people that we were all along. And we'd put this, we'd been mortgaging our present for the future. And so that book had a really big impact on me because it, it really helped me realize that life's happening now. It's not in the future. And, and lo and behold, one week later, I bumped into that ex-boyfriend at a concert and I was able to tell him, I don't hold, I won't harbor any resentment for you. I realized I wasn't living my dreams. Your dreams weren't big enough for the both of us. Mm. And it was a super powerful book for me. That's, that's, well, I, that's the book that changed it for me too. Oh, wow. That was the first I was reading. It's so, so crazy that that's the book because I was reading all these like biographies about like, you know, red hot chili peppers and like, you know, I've read that one. Yeah. Like, all these, all these biographies about rock stars and athletes, but they always made me feel like shit. Like I was always like, why am I reading this? Like, <clears throat> like, you know, I'm looking at hearing about their drug overdoses and partying. It's cause I was partying a lot. And I was like, Oh, these guys are awesome. But like, I, th- I had this like thought one day, I was like, why don't I read something that's going to make you feel better? And there was something about power of now. I might've heard Oprah. I might've heard somebody talk about it. I was in Australia. I was on the Gold Coast. And I remember I picked that book up and that book changed my life. I, I had to read it over a few times. Like I was like, what is this? But it was the first time that I was like, oh, I get it. Oh, present moment. What? Like, 
I was like, what does that even mean? And it's like, the past isn't real, the future. And I was like, what do you mean that isn't real? And then when you really, because I was working in bars at the time, and then I would work on it when I would serve people at the bar, I'd be like, presence, like just be. And it was just this realization I had. And that was the seed that was planted. You know, like it's, it's amazing how that book, and that's like, there's so many people that that book impacted. It's incredible. <laughs> like it's, and if you love biographies and books like Eckhart Tolle's book, you will love the quest because that's exactly what it is. It is like a page turning story. I go to Australia, crazy party stories, all that stuff. But woven in it is this like incredible wisdom from this teacher that I begin to apply to my life. And as a result, my life begins to change. And so those were exactly the types of books I like to read, but then I also wanted to learn. And so that, yeah. that I wrote. Yeah. It was like, you, I, I started to pay attention to like how things make me feel. Same with movies. Like what, what is the goal for this? Like, why do I want to feel, I want to feel better than I did before. I don't want to feel worse, you know, like going to bed, feeling like down, like what, like why? Right. right. Some people do that. And I'm like, what? I'm like, pay attention to that. You wonder why you wake up feeling like shit or you wake up and you're feeling bad. Well, what are you reading? What are you consuming? It's so important to be mindful of that. Well, it's in everything. Right. And that's so much, that's what starts to happen when we do embark on the quest. And at first it can be kind of like you wake up in the middle of the light, like, oh my gosh, what's mm. going on? Because you realize the ways in which you've been creating are not serving you, mm. right? But it's across the board for everything, what you're reading, what you're consuming, what are you eating? Who are you spending time around? You know, like all of those things contribute to your mental and physical state. Mm. So Absolutely. I got a question for you regarding relationships. This is, this is like a, a, a personal question <clears throat> that yeah. because you, I love your story of how you, you know, manifested your life there, your relationship. So my question is, I've been on a journey of really healing. And in the past, I've gotten in relationships almost to fill voids you know, for not the right reasons. And I've been on a healing journey single for the last couple of years. And I've really been focused on business, on the podcast, about growing an empire, so to speak. And it isn't until recently where I was like open to the idea of calling in, you know, my queen or, you know, somebody, because I've been doing a lot of work on myself. And my question for you is, we, so sometimes when we get into the, you know, we're in personal development and we're healing. We can get, we can get caught up in like always feeling like we have to heal before we can manifest or attract somebody. And where on the healing journey do you feel you need to be in order to call that person in? Do you need to be like fully healed or can that person come in when you're still doing it? Like I always wonder because we're all vibration. If we're still healing, then are we going to attract the right person? Or, I mean, healing is always a process too. So that's one part of the question is like, what can we do to really manifest the one we want? Like what, when, well, where? First of all, I just want to honor you for being on this incredible healing journey. We need more men that are on this incredible healing journey. And there's going to be some woman that's so stoked to meet you. Um, Thank you. So Thank you. relationships all about alignment. And we have this interesting 
conflict with that because the overarching culture has created these structures and these institutions that say forever. And so we get this in this idea, we need to meet one person and it's going to be there with us forever. When in reality, you can call in somebody right now that's going to be an incredible catalyst for your healing. There can be beautiful love and joy and passion and challenging moments that allow you to see yourself more mm. clearly. I mean, really our relationships are really our greatest mirrors. You know, there are parts of ourselves that are very difficult for us to see, you know, blind spots, denial, whatever you want to call it. And when we see parts, we see our partner and oftentimes it's parts of our partner that really drive us crazy. There's a mirror within us mm. and that's that's letting us know that there's something energized within us that wants to heal. So if you come into partnership with somebody who wants to be in this playground of growth and expansion and this, this incredibly beautiful container, you can, you can like have so much incredible synergy and, and grow in exponential ways together, which has mm. been the case in my relationship. That does not mean it's been easy by any stretch of the word, especially, you know, English being the third language of my partner, Manet. Um, in the beginning, we had so many lost in translations that that was like causing a lot of arguments for us. But now it's been so incredible to look back over the past five years. I mean, what we've created together, the ways that we've changed and expanded and grown. I mean, it, it's pretty mind blowing. So, yeah, it's there's right now is always a wonderful time. Well, what are the things that have made your relationship successful? Because this is an area where I really... I'm starting to wanting to pay more attention to is, you know, what are the things like, what are the things that you need to do? Um, well, you touched on one of them, which is really incredible, which is presence, mm. right? Like what better gift to give somebody than your presence in this very busy, chaotic life that we've created? You know, there's always something that's pulling us in different directions, right? And so when you're with somebody, like really giving them your presence is so incredibly attractive, number one, mm -hmm. if you're if you're on date, um, but also in the in the you know, container of that relationship presence is really incredible. Allowing that person's space to process, hold space for them. You know, sometimes there's nothing to say. It's just listening with a loving heart and, you know, holding that space for them to go through whatever they're going through. Um, asking them, are you open to some communication? Would you like to hear what I have to say? Because sometimes people do. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they need to be in their process. You know, I have many people come to me and they're having a challenge in their relationship and their their things aren't really right with their partner. And they want to do couples counseling. And I'm sure that can help to some degree. But what I've really seen in counseling is you keep talking about the issues again and again and again. And we have something in the reticular active, we have something in the brain called the reticular activating system, which amplifies whatever gets attention. In other words, what we focus to grows. So if you're constantly focusing to what's not working to fix it, you're actually going to see more of what's not working in the relationship versus starting to look for what is working. Okay. Like really being grateful and amplifying what you have gratitude for, for what that person is doing is going to allow you to start to see more of that in the partnership as well. So those are a couple of just quick things right off the bat. 
you, you talk about gratitude a lot. And I got to say, gratitude changed my life. Like coming from uh, a perspective growing up where everything, every, every, everybody was a victim. It was always like everyone else's fault. There was no accountability, very scarce. And, you know, I remember starting a gratitude practice it completely changed my life. And I just love when, when someone says gratitude now, I like, yeah, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get excited. And it like, I don't care if it's cheesy or not, because that's like what changed my life so much. It can, that yeah. alone change a life. And that yeah. alone, when we talk about manifestation, that's really the fundamental building block of all manifestation. So, mm. um, the gratitude practice, you probably already have a gratitude practice, but one thing I would encourage you to add to, if you're not doing this, already, please do. Yeah, please. Is, because a lot of people write down like, okay, 10 things I have gratitude for, boom. But if you write down 10 things you have gratitude for and the why, mm-hmm. like why you're grateful for that thing and you follow the braid down of what that one thing gets you. So for instance, um, on my gratitude list, especially because I um, suffer, suffered from health issues, I that's always on my list. It's like, I'm so grateful for this healthy, able body that allows me to go surfing every day. And in the ocean, I connect to myself. I see my friends. I get to feel the stoke. It's a spiritual practice in itself to be in the ocean. I get to take care of my body and feel strong. Um, having all this energy. I mean, since I detoxed my body, I feel like I have more energy than my 10 year old self. Having all this energy allows me to do work that's deeply meaningful to me. It allows me to be a mother of two and have energy for them. So like you see how that one thing gets you all these other things. Um, and then by the time you hit like item six or seven, you're just like, I have the best life. I'm so happy. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Changes your vibrational frequency. And when we talk about manifestation, um, you know, abundance attracts abundance. And so if in that place, place of feeling limited or lacking or in that place of victim nature, then it's a lot more difficult to just like attract those, those magical things effortlessly. Mm. See everybody. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> she says it too. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Cause that's exactly what I say. I say, so what I do is I do five things I'm grateful for and why, and I really elaborate on each thing. So five things that have happened already that I'm grateful for. And I like get into it. I turn it into a, like, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, what, whatever this phone, because this phone allows me to connect with people. It allows me to be able to do all these things. And I just go off for like, you know, like, a, a, like a big chunk. And I do that for five things. And then I'll, I'll write down five things that I want to happen in the future. And I'll be like, you know, I'm grateful for my New York times bestselling book, mastering adversity, you know, the book I'm writing. And I put myself in that feeling of like it happening. And like, what are the, my, who's around, what am I doing and feel that. And I, you know, trying to do those five things and then five things. And that's the most powerful practice it's so important that you said that is like having the why behind it, because you can't just be like, I'm grateful for this pen. I'm grateful for this paper. There's no feeling you need to be able to feel that and, and elaborate on it, make it into your journaling practice, like talk about it, like, you know, solidify it. It's so, so important. So you're already, you're already on it. Yes. That's exactly it. Feel it real. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens is the brain, then if you do that first thing in the morning, then you've set up your reticular activating system for the entire day to look for all the things that are working, all the things that you have gratitude for. So then you're just supercharging that frequency even more, 
which is amazing. And then as you keep doing it, you're like, I'm so grateful for the light switch. You just switch yeah. on a light. I'm just yeah. so grateful. I can just go yeah. pick a pie off my tree. I mean, mm. it's, it kind of just becomes endless, all of the stuff that you can be grateful for, just as it could be endless, all of the things that are hard and challenging. Yeah. If you let your mind go to that place. Mm. Yeah, it just gets you, it just puts your perspective in that day where you see, you basically see the glass half full instead of half empty. And sometimes that is just the kickstart you need for the day because it's easy to get into the negative mindset. That's why it it's takes practice. Up turning on the news yeah. and like what's going on in the world. Like, mm. yeah, it's not, yeah. not going to set you up. It's not setting your reticular activating system up to look for what's working throughout the day. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. So throughout your life, out of all the adversity challenges you faced, what would you say is the most valuable lesson that adversity has taught you? I think it's back to what I said before that just I am creating every single thing in my life for my benefit and my evolution. And so when there's a challenge that comes up, you know, it's, it's for me. So looking for the gift, what is the gift in that situation? And then back to gratitude. If somebody's giving you a gift, how do you feel? You feel grateful, right? So you're allowed to you allow yourself to consistently stay in that place of gratitude, even in the face of adversity. And now, you know, that I'm in my forties, I can recognize it. So if there's a challenge coming, a shitstorm happening, I can be like, I know you, I've seen you before, you know, like I don't think the world is crashing down. I don't think it's the end of the world. I'm like, okay, there's an alignment that's changing. Everything else that wasn't for me was for me. So this must be for me too. Yeah. I, there's another question that I forgot to ask you that I want to ask about manifesting is that how important is it to detach to the feeling? Like we want to put it out there, but you know how people can get so caught up on the outcome. Yeah. Walk us through that a little bit about how, how you would say the best way to manifest is. Okay. Well, I'm going to use it in the context of relationship, right? Cause okay. I'm a love coach yeah. and yeah. And so what we do first is really when I work with a woman and, you know, I don't, I don't typically work with men, but it would work the same way, um, is that we find out what lights you up inside, you know, what turns you on. <clears throat> we help you learn how to give yourself permission, you know, like we talked about earlier and really go there, even if it's just for a few minutes a day. So it could be journaling, it could be making sandcastles on the beach, um, you know, learning Reiki, learning the ukulele. Okay. Anything, giving yourself permission. And once you're inside your passion, you know, this creates a sovereignty. Mm. So a love for hanging out for yourself, enjoying your old, your own company, right? Mm. So if you can, you know, hold that desire, but you're not looking outside yourself to that person to heal you, like you were saying, yeah. Fill, yeah. filling that void. Mm. Because that passion, that sovereignty, highly Right. Mm. So not to the whole world. So women that I work with that are on this path, you know, it's so much fun to work with women who are on this path because they discover what lights them up. And then they tend to have so many options of really high quality guys to choose from because they know themselves. And so they're so much better at choosing the person that's really in alignment. But really that ability to really hold desire without clutching comes from sovereignty when it comes to relationships from saying, I enjoy my, 
my own company. I have things to do. I have things that rev me up inside. It could be playing guitar. It could be surfing. It could be writing. It could be podcasting, whatever. And comes to like you and your book. Um, for me, I was clutching the book for a while for and too, too tightly. It felt like at times. And I started writing the second book. So I'm now halfway through with the second book. And what that did was get you back in the vibration of creation, mm. which is a super powerful manifesting frequency. Oh, so much gold there. If people want to learn more about you and about your work and find your book, where's the best place to check all your stuff out? Well, for your listeners, um, they have the opportunity to go to emilyperera.com forward slash read, and you can download the first three chapters of my book for free. So it'll give you a taste of what this quest is all about. It, I like gave you guys really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so you can get that there. Also on Instagram, I'm Emily underscore begins and shoot me a message. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to connect with you. It's mm, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. So uh, much. So much Lance. It was so fun to connect with you. You'll have to let me know if you come back to Santa Teresa. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely on my list. It's so funny because I was there for so long. And then since I've been here, there's been so many people go through there. And I was like, well, why were you guys there when I was there? Because <laughs> I felt like no one was around. Like I didn't know anybody there. And then now everybody's coming through. So it's pretty funny. Well, everybody I'm coming into contact with anyways is there. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We'll have all the show notes, all the information for Emily in the show notes. I would definitely follow her, check her Instagram out. She's got a lot of really valuable content, a lot of really awesome video snippets of different people and relationships. And she's awesome. And make sure to check out the quest, go get it. And yes, it's definitely, it's definitely awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lance. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Make sure to check out Emily. All the information is in the show notes for her best-selling memoir, The Quest. Make sure to check it out. Also follow her on Instagram. All her information is in her bio if you want to check out more of her work. And I highly recommend checking out her social media and her Instagram because she's got a ton of valuable content. And as much, and she's got tons of stuff for to teach you and to you guys to learn from. So enjoy your day. We'll catch you next time.